Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. I'm Mark. I'm joined by James. How's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad. A little bit under the weather, as people could hear yesterday, and we'll probably be able to hear today. Also, talking as if we do a podcast once a day is nuts. It's just we don't do a podcast for two weeks, and then we do two in a day. But yeah, all good. No complaints. That said, it is a monumental day for us because we have our first ever real proof of concept that if we want to land a guest of our choosing, all we have to do is publicly hint at it and that person will come running into our <laughs> arms. So if you've got got anybody you'd particularly like, we can follow this approach and see how far it um, stretches in terms of clout. Um, so we're joined by the MVP of the Spanish League in his first month playing there and currently the sixth leading scorer of the competition. This is my favourite stat, way better than the scoring thing. Not only is this guy the league leader in minutes per game, he's the only player with an average higher than 40 minutes per game, which I think is the only time I've ever seen that be the case ever. Um, and most recently, if you've been keeping an eye out for this guy, you will have seen him operating as a hopeless bystander as his team lost by 75 points. But in his defense, his team was also <laughs> operating as hopeless bystanders and they were actually on the court and not sitting out injured. So Oscar Knight, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for being here. It's good to be here. That's a hell of an entry. You're welcome. <laughs> With that 75-point loss to Albacete is hopefully not going to come up too many more times, but it might yeah. s- might sneak in here and there. We'll sh- we shall see. It's nice to rip the bandaid off, isn't it? Like, uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. Sorry about him. And yeah, it's funny. Like anyone that we have anything to slag about, we're just like, all right, cool. Let's let's get this done early. But yeah, as someone who has said they've listened to a couple of these in the past, you'll probably know what the first question is coming up. Uh, so how did you get started in the game of wheelchair basketball? Well, basically when I when I became disabled, um, it, it was pretty much just a case of <clears throat> I, I said to my mum, like, I, I don't want to get fat. <laughs> and she basically just researched and found, um, found a local team in Plymouth and 10 years later... <laughs> pretty much the whole thing yeah what's your disability so yeah there's <laughs> it's complicated so oh we're I, getting I've into had, it yeah as you probably know uh i went on the news in england i uh, must be nearly two years ago it, uh talking about complex regional pain syndrome because uh, yes. obviously a bunch of um bunch of people are getting declassified so uh, i've had that and I'm in remission from it now. So that's not so much the problem anymore. It's um, arthritis that I've got from a collection of like childhood illnesses. Like I was very ill as a child. Um, and basically, it's just like an accumulation of everything that's led to basically deformed legs i suppose is the easiest way to put that it is entirely grim and it's even worse to think about that when james said what's your disability according to the powers that be the correct answer is nothing uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's wild times now we're not gonna get obviously too far into that because we've talked about it on here before and it's been you know that this whole thing could be an episode in itself and probably will be Has again been. <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah we you mentioned joining your club in Plymouth and you've been there for a while. I think you've probably gathered if you've listened to our previous like weekend covering episodes. We had never heard of you prior to you landing in Vigo. <laughs> um, don't take that personally. It is probably far more on us being old and out of touch. But um, it did make me think because you obviously most of the young talent that comes through such as yourself who would be at the level where you would be looking at heading abroad and playing will go through the national team pathway at some point and you know there is nobody um keener than james to keep an eye out for a a wide-eyed wandering teen who you know comes into the um into the setup so i was surprised when he'd never heard of you i then realized that was your um that was the condition or whatever that obviously excludes you from these things. But, I mean, you snuck up on us um, in terms of 
us having not seen you play or whatever, and you then come to Spain and you're getting, you know, 20 points a game, seemingly every game for the first month. Do you find that everybody else, you know, be it there's a lot of British presence out in Spain, be it Brits or otherwise, do you find people tend to know who you are or have you been like a, a surprise asset for Vigo so far this year? Um, I, I think a little bit of both, really, because uh, there was a time I was in the GB setup at 15, 16, 17 before the, the rule was enforced. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we are. I'm glad we well, could. <laughs> I, it, it's funny, though. I'm pretty sure I've done a camp with James before. Yeah. Although, can I, I just you. say, Mark saying he'd never heard of you. We literally watched you play EuroLeague three last year, or the EuroLeague, like whatever, oh, okay. the, whatever the EuroLeague <laughs> was, like that one that Vitaly yeah. Mercia and Plymouth Fusion went to. I remember being like, okay, <laughs> I've been outside the UK uh, wheelchair basketball system for too long. A club that I never heard of is in Euro <laughs> Cup. Excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Do you think? Do you remember this? about before we move on to anything else it, it was an academy like it, it wasn't like a, a senior thing or anything i think he was just there to to join in basically i was, was there because like, I needed oh there's an academy camp oh, i'll play are you are you hurt that he doesn't remember you <laughs> pardon <laughs> no it? of course not oh, all right <laughs> Well, no, um, people will remember you now because you've no, you've you've had twenty a game in the Spanish league. Um, James, how many MVP of the months have you won? Uh, zero, and I will probably. I, I'm very sure that I will end on zero, considering it's a top scorer of the month award uh, as well. Um, a guy that averages four a game is probably not not really clipping it. Um, I wonder how good your other non-scoring stats would need to be for them to be like, oh my god, <laughs> like if you're like. Average 10 a game, but we're like 20 boards and plus 35 average for the for the month. Um, but yeah, I'm also neither of those things at this point. I'm going to say, <laughs> who's got enough control of the game that you could be like, hey, do you think you could try and average these obscure numbers for a whole month and see if they give you the player of the month? As here. No, um, as long as it was all assists. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Do you feel like you're in that sort of, how old are you? 20. Okay, do you feel like you're in that sort of group that the age that you would have been sort of getting involved in Pathways and whatever was around when COVID hit and therefore you lost out on a, a good chunk of development? Because I know, speaking to a couple of guys from different places that didn't have any under-22 stuff going on for a handful of years during COVID felt kind of like they've missed a step. Do you think that was the case with you or or not? 100%. Definitely. Because um, yeah, it was literally the the year, the build-up towards COVID, it was like camps every single month. And like it just felt like each and every time I was coming back a better player and then it stopped and then just never, never even got really like a proper proper process of me leaving the, the, you know, the pathway. It was just kind of like, oh, this has happened. And then radio silence yeah. is uh, not ideal, but... Sure. A lot of changes were happening at the time. Of course, so, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, um, fair enough. Um, and I think as well, like, you're kind of at the mercy of, at that point, you're kind of at the mercy of whether your club coach is any good. And I don't know, um, don't know if we know your club coach at Plymouth or, or if they were any good, but like that really makes a difference because the amount of guys that have talent but grow up in, just because they're down the road from a club that, is run by people that aren't exactly experts because they're more sort of into getting people playing basketball rather than the sort of they're yeah. into more participation than performance stuff, which is completely fair and justifiable and probably what gets clubs funding. But um, yeah, who was your coach in Plymouth before you left? So he's called Aaron. He's usually um, the grumpy guy sitting in the corner with his hood up. But <laughs> now nah, he's um, him would we'll get along great. <laughs> uh, he um he was he was great you know from the whole 10 years I was at the club basically like you know from a tactical standpoint maybe not amazing but development wise he put a lot of time into me and also 
sort of throughout the time where I thought I wasn't going to be classifiable even for um, like going abroad. He sort of gave me the opportunity to do coaching. And there was even a season where I had to coach both our teams because he um, had to have an operation. Oh wow! And he was out for a while, so and you're and you're was... twenty years old now, so you're presumably <laughs> less than twenty years old at the point you were left to coach two teams. Uh, yeah, I would have been eighteen. Wow, you've that's lived a lot. Whole, you've lived a whole basketball life compared to so many people, and it's your first. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild times. But um, yeah, I think James has kind of touched on it there and is that there's back home um, for you guys, there is specifically no no real structuring of whether clubs that get set up are inclined to do anything from like grassroots through to high performance. It's just people set clubs up, they get the players they get and they kind of decide as to whether they want to push it forward or whether they just want, you know, a social gathering based around basketball once a week. But on that note, the the South Coast of England has not been traditionally, I would say, like a hotbed for basketball talent. Um, up until relatively recently where, you know, Vigo were like flying the flag for the the South Coast kids, right? Where it's yourself and and Lewis. Um, but do you think you, growing up and playing there, did you have a huge amount of awareness of like the wider game, be it you know the rest of the country or kind of worldwide, or was it a case of you know I I go and throw a ball around with my friends for however long and then. I mean, I I was pretty aware, like not so much of the Spanish stuff at first, but um, it was Rio was the main thing I used to watch at sort of like 14, 15 in school, in my study periods. Don't do that. <laughs> do not do that. Don't watch basketball games in your study periods. But that's what I did. And yeah, it just obsessed with all of it. <laughs> literally just wouldn't stop and i yeah never got any work done because of it but it's worked out well i think <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's, it's gone well so far small sample size here you're half the season in the league and you're you're, you're having a great time um and you say don't do that don't do that if you want to do well academically do do that if well you do well in yeah. terms of basketball um, well, i sound like you can't do both you can absolutely do both but um what was i gonna say uh did you have like a like a light bulb moment where you're like oh hold on this could be like there is a wider world out there and it is something that interests me and it's something that I could achieve because I know most people, they join in and as Mark says, it's kind of a social thing and it should be like participation is the sort of probably the most important thing in the first couple of years of playing wheelchair basketball anyway. Um, Then you can choose to take it seriously if you want. But did you have a moment of like, oh, not only is there higher level stuff, but I think I want to go for it. Yeah, I think as soon as I found out, like, you could play in Spain or just pretty much anywhere else but England to get money for basketball, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's 100% what I want to do. And it was it was quite difficult throughout the, the sort of period where I didn't even know if I was going to be classifiable because I didn't really have, like, a direction. Like, I was, yeah, I was playing for my club, but there wasn't really. I was like, hmm. Is basketball just going to be a hobby? Um, you know, it was kind of, it, it taught me a lot about balance. And then luckily, as it just, as life works, it turns out I could go to Euro Cup and that means I can play in Spain. So, yeah, yeah. as soon as I found out, I was like, straight away. <laughs> For sure. And I think there's a thing as well where if you're as into wheelchair basketball as you are as a young fella, even if you could sort of play it casually, I wonder if playing it, but knowing that there wasn't really the higher level available to you, I wonder if that would have sort of not been satisfying enough. Because I know there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm probably good enough to push to the next level, but I just can't, like, I can't deal with just showing up twice a week with people who care about it less than I do. I wonder if that would have sort of buried your wheelchair basketball career anyway. If you'd like, I mean, no, your wheelchair basketball playing for fun yeah i think definitely that's that's the 
one problem with with smaller clubs in in England anyway it's that you only train once or twice a week and there's not really like a a proper sort of so it's like everyone in one session instead of maybe splitting the the skill groups to make it kind of better for the play, the higher level players but um, in the same breath all of the people at Plymouth were great so it you know you kind of sacrifice that for the social side but yeah there's definitely there's definitely a point where I was like yeah training is not the best and obviously if there's no got no drive to go abroad because I can't then it's kind of like you're just sort of stuck in the same spot for a while yeah Yeah, I think that situation you described where it's that kind of due to limited resources everybody's having to train together in that one session a week it's fine and it makes logical sense but you you end up in the situation where you if you're you know one of the higher end players in that group everybody else is benefiting more from your presence there than you are from theirs and it's like to keep moving forward you need to keep pushing yourself and so you're on like the lower end of that spectrum of every new group you join right so you need to get to Vigo and then prove yourself against these guys who've been doing it for however long. And then, you know, whatever might come after that, which we won't get, get ahead of ourselves with, because we'll talk about that later in the episode. Um, So to kind of wrap up the South coast thing, do you, there's obviously clubs popping up a bit more now. There's Plymouth have kind of established themselves. Exeter have been around forever. Um, I'm very bitter about a lot of the South Coast clubs because I used to have to drive so far, do the overnight stay, <laughs> and play on the Sunday. And it's like that. What was Lewis's old team called? Tornadoes? Yeah. I We used to drive down on the Saturday, play them, get booted out of the hotel at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then the sports hall was only ever available at like half two in the afternoon. It was like, that <laughs> place is a dead end, man. If ever there was, I cannot imagine trying to kill three hours here. Um, my experience yeah. of driving from Sheffield to London, or I mean, for, to the South Coast, is always you get to like London, you're like, ah, yes, I'm in the South, I'm yeah. nearly there, and it's like as far from London as London is from Sheffield. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I'm like, in terms of like, as the crow flies, I'm two thirds of the way there. What are you talking about? It's mental, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but I think there's it looks like gradually there's more and more clubs popping up, and hopefully, more you know, resources available. Do you? you'll have a better feel for it than we do. But do you look at kind of what's happening near to home for you and think that, you know, the Southern region of the UK is gradually becoming a bit more of a talent pipeline than maybe it has been? Do you think there's a ways to go? Are you going to come back from Vigo and fix it one day? (laughs) Um, I think it's definitely improved over the years, but naturally the, the North, it's just like more people. So in the south, like you, like the southwest, you've got Plymouth, Exeter, or Cornwall. That's yeah. that's it. And you know, it from the experience at Plymouth, it is it's really hard to to get new players and particularly younger younger players. Um, and usually the younger players that we do get either come come from Exeter, uh, like. Uh, last season or this season Dan and uh, Dan Smith and Jordan Bright playing at Plymouth now so it's I, it's improved I, I it's difficult to say whether it will kind of overtake the north if that makes sense because the north's just quite hard to so what, what we're establishing here before we move on is that the north is fundamentally superior to the south because if so we'll just, just... We'll use that as the soundbite for the episode and we can stop recording there. Um, what I would uh, like to ask God. both of you as someone who is not from England is, Mark, you go first. Oscar, say nothing. Mark, where does the South begin? Um, anywhere south of like Leicester or maybe Northampton. <laughs> okay, say nothing. Oscar, where does the North begin for you? Like... Feels like Birmingham. It's like slap bang in the middle. Feels like the north, but it's just not. <laughs> Birmingham yeah. feeling like the north is absolutely hilarious, and it goes through it's... my my theory that like no one has ever said that the north was any further south than they are. 
or the sun. Like it, it goes based on where you are, as if you're looking at a compass rather than a map. Uh, <laughs> makes sense to me. Um, also, there's a greater commentary on on English people's belief around the world, but I will leave that for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do that when we um, eventually give you that spin-off show of your own. Yeah, that, that spin-off show called Just My Opinion. No, um, no I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, it's no one from outside of England wrestles with this, but it's also just because there's a massive chunk of it that's probably just the Midlands and everyone's like north or south. And you're like, it's not. Well, that for a long time, that was my theory on why the North and South disliked each other was because people from the North would try and travel South and they would get to like the top end of the Midlands and be like, man, it gets bad quickly when you head South, let's turn around and then ditto for, so maybe the Midlands is just the entire problem. Like they, those guys get to like Northampton, they're like, man, this place to dive, let's go. Home. Yeah, it's what you see when you look <laughs> North or South, respectively, yeah. <laughs> going, but it's actually really green grass on either side. Also, there's a lot of nice places in the Midlands. I'm only joking. I'm only stoking geographical based hate among English people. To shall, we move, shall we move on before we offend anybody else? <laughs> uh yes um cool uh but, 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 but. so yeah we're going to talk a little bit about your your euro cup from last year so i made a mistake it was mercia and leganes you were in a group with via the lead were in a different group they were in your league three you guys were in the one below it right the weird qualification yeah. points one that i don't know the name of um because just the, the qualifying tournament but oh, you guys... just make it up as they go along don't they <laughs> let's not get into that we've already got to like four topics that are a, a separate spin-off episode we can't get into the Euro <laughs> Cup structures you're just complaining about English ge- English geographical perceptions and the IWBF <laughs> um, but yeah so I think to as we've alluded to already Oscar if we'd have been doing this episode a year ago question one we would have asked you off the back of seeing the, the group layouts were who in the hell are Plymouth Fusion? Um, you've answered that question along the way up to this point, I believe. And you guys had some terrible luck with landing in the Euro Cup because what's meant to be the qualifier qualifying tournament, which is traditionally stacked up with maybe like one good team that hasn't got to do Euro Cup yet. And a load of Greek then, teams. Yeah, Greek teams from like Greece, Portugal, you know, um, Czech Republic, anywhere that isn't a basketball stronghold tend to populate those out. You've got Mercia, who I think of either third or fourth in Spain now after a couple of additions, and Leganes, who and you've out Plymouth have outlasted them at the very least, but the um <laughs> the guys who made up Leganes are now obviously scattered across Spain and you know most of their roster is distributed and contributing players to good Spanish teams. So you guys got some tough luck. Um, you did score one win in your group. I went back and found say I can't remember the name of the team, Rolling Rebels, that you guys beat. That's right. Um, and you wow, had that's, that's a deep cut. It is. Um, one of us does our research, at least. Um, you had Panathinaikos in there as well, who I'm not sure what the situation is with them wheelchair basketball-wise, as, other than... Marcin Belsharovsky is their coach now because his son plays for the able-bodied team, which is an incredibly um, deep cut if we're going that way. Yeah, reverse but... nepotism. I don't know if there's a, <laughs> like if there's a different word for it. I imagine there is, but or so, if it's just nepotism. You guys ended up um, amateur team in a you know a group with at least two, if not three, professional teams, and yeah, uh, we basically want to hear it from you because we obviously watched bits and bobs of the tournaments that were going on. Um, it probably won't offend you a huge amount to learn the qualifying tournament wasn't top of our our viewing docket, no. so we just caught what we could. But can you take us through coming in as a you know the amateur club and taking on the likes of Mercia and Leganes and you know whatever your takeaways were from this tournament, I guess. It was it was pretty surreal, to be honest. Like you know being at the club for as long as I had and that, you know, everyone was in Spain. It, it was almost, it was a mixture of like, yeah, we're playing basketball, but it's like, oh my God, we're in, this is, this is amazing. Plymouth are, yeah. we've gone global. We're on our holidays. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, honestly, like, especially like for myself as well, not knowing whether I was classifiable or not for it. Yeah. Once I got like the email through and I was there, I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is what I've been, 
wanting like yeah. this kind of level of competition. And yeah, we we did. I mean, we we competed really well against um, the the Greek team, Panathinaikos, and uh, obviously we beat Rolling Rebels. But yeah, it was it was always going to be a long game against the the Spanish teams. But yeah, honestly, such a good experience to just go out there with the people I've been um, been training with all that time and just yeah play basketball. Where were Rolling Rebels from? Do you remember? Oh, I think I want to say um, I want to say Denmark, but I could be wrong. Oh wow, okay. Because I was going to say there's a real like outside of the places that speak sort of um, Romance languages, there's a real naming convention of naming your wheelchair basketball team something in English that you would see in a TV show about high school kids, um, <laughs> yeah. like Hot Rolling Bears or Rolling Rebels or like. If there was ever a wheelchair basketball and like a sequel of High School Musical, you could see it. And I just, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. But um, my question, my real question was, did you, was there anyone you saw when you got there that you were like, obviously you probably knew Lee Fryer a little bit and stuff and you'd seen him play, but like, were there any guys that you hadn't seen play before that you were like, oh my God. I mean, most uh most of the Leganes team I was pretty impressed with because I'd never I've never seen any of them and you know you had uh uh Cano Cano yeah, that's yeah. what was yeah he was I was just like oh oh my god and then like the overall that Leganes team I was quite like wow because the first um the first game at the competition was between Mercia and Leganes and I think Mercia got a little bit of a lead, but then all of a sudden it was just neck on neck and it was blow to blow. And Lee Lee Fryer, I'm pretty sure, got the game-winning layup with like seven seconds left. So I was just like, oh my God. I swear <laughs> they played against each other like the week before in the league as well, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, which is so funny. Yeah, I <laughs> think, all right, I see think you soon. Kano had 47 in one of their games against each other. I can't remember if that was pre or post Euro Cup, but they, they had gotten to know each other by that point, obviously. They played, did you did they play a double overtime game or something as well where Kano had 47? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so wild. Yeah. Like, not actually that fun to watch, but like good storylines. <laughs> no, I love watching Um well, So, yeah, you had to then piece. follow that one up. You had to follow up the um, Mercia Leganes. You know, game winner by Lee Fryer, presumably by you guys going out there and taking on Rolling Rebels. Did the crowd all like gradually empty out at that point? <laughs> um, no. To, to be fair, there was still quite a lot of uh, like Mercia fans that were just sort of hanging around and watching it. I mean, it it was it wasn't a bad game, I think, to watch because you know it was probably the most even game at the the competition really in in a lot of ways um and yeah like we got off to a good lead they came, it was yeah I, there was quite a few fans still there's some drums as well do you think it's because there are probably more people from plymouth in mercia than there are wheelchair basketball fans in mercia ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't think there was anyone from plymouth there unfortunately apart from us yeah, not not gone as global as you initially thought then. Because no. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> um so yeah, we'll to kind of wrap the um the section up talking about your old team, you've obviously moved on now and you're in Spain. You left those guys in a position that happens unfortunately back home quite a lot where you as one of their mainstays player-wise are ready to move on. And in your last season, you do them the good deed of getting them promoted to the top league and being like, right, have fun here. See you later. So are you, first up, I guess, are you keeping up with the guys back home and, you know, following their results? Are they resenting you for having landed them in a tough spot like you have done? Or is it is it all good between you and them? No, it's, it's all good. To, to be honest, when... When I was sort of first chatting with my coach about, yeah, I'm getting some offers here and the, 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 like, but everyone was very supportive and a lot of people said that I should go. And I was quite under the, the mindset of, 
I've we've just got to Prem. I've been here for ten years. It'd be sick to play a season in Prem. Um, but I think yeah, o- overall, like I still chat to to most people at the club, and yeah, watch watch their games too. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever be back there in the future when when it's all said and done? And if so, um, what do you think? Like, what what do you think the league needs to do to have progressed or the team, obviously? But what do you think the what do you think our league's missing? Um, more teams in the top division. <laughs> I think, do you think um... so? Because the couple of times I've played it, where the talent's been concentrated, it's been it's been ideal. Maybe that's I mean, not fair, but six six teams is quite small. I think it it's the fact as well that all the games are were all like really spread out for yeah. for Plymouth and stuff. It's that's from a league point of view anyway. But um sorry, what was the question? <laughs> um would you end up back there at the end of your career? And if so, like, well, you've answered the second part of what do you think needs to change in the league? Just the point about not being enough games. I think London Titan played one played one game before Christmas or something like that. Like, there's yeah. a team that played a game before Christmas, which is just insane. Like, have less teams, but make them play four times instead of two. Like, yeah, that's that's the secret. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think. I would go back there, but not in a in a super Obviously, can't tell where the future goes, but ideally, want to be playing abroad for a, a good chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, that Absolutely. that makes sense. And who knows, man? Once you've been um, once you've been away for a few years, there is a decent chance you'll even be joining the ranks of people like us who are claiming you've never even heard of Plymouth Fusion. So <laughs> I'd never even but... heard of Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> right? Shall we move on a little bit, and we'll talk about your time with Vigo, which. You're officially past the halfway point of the season now, but we're going to ask you about a little bit of the groundwork that got you here. So obvious question number one, how did the Vigo opportunity come about? Uh, I think you could probably guess, but uh, Augustine uh, on Instagram messaged me. You mean, he, and... you mean he didn't go through the official channels of contacting your agent? and? <laughs> No, no, he didn't. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically, I asked a bunch of questions just in general because I, I had a couple other um, other offers that I was kind of weighing up. Um, and yeah, I just sort of asked like, what would my role be in the team, uh, and and all that kind of stuff. I went away and thought about it for a little bit, and I was like, I think. To, to develop it would be the best place to go uh mainly because it's a small team which guarantees minutes which i think is the best way to to develop and yeah that was pretty much it i chatted with uh, thessa our coach as well yeah. he sort of just went into a bit more detail about what role i would play and you know the the team like what what our starting lineup would be and stuff and I was like that sounds like you know at the beginning of the season I thought we could compete you know not win anything substantial like the league or anything but could compete with everyone in the league that's entirely fair I have a couple of very quick follow-up questions when Augustine got in touch and you were like could I please speak to the coach was he not like hey have you not seen how this works I am the coach did he, did he go switch his phone from his left ear to his right ear and be like, no, that's not fair. Like, I don't, there's one guy that I hear screaming from the sideline in those games and it's not Augustine Alejos. And <laughs> you, you alluded to that having a couple of other offers, knowing how these things work and how teams use Euro Cup as prepaid scouting opportunities. Were any of your other offers from Leganes? Because if so, congratulations on avoiding that. 
<laughs> well, yeah, one of them was Leganes. Um, uh, enough. What what team were they planning on rerouting you to once they folded? Because it seems like, <laughs> it seems like they just picked everybody's name out of a hat and like threw them at the map of Spain and was like, oh, "You're going here." Uh, the the Leganes was more. I, I was chatting to to Cano at the at the competition, and yeah just kind of exchanged some messages but it never never really went any further than that um and yeah <laughs> augustine he, he's a very very knowledgeable of basketball but Thessa is definitely the coach i can assure you that that's <laughs> that's fine mark's only joking just there's a running thing that every club has like a guy that pretty much runs the stuff on the floor to the point that it maybe looks like the coaching, but also like any bad coach I've had has been because they don't lean on the experience of the players. Like most of the guys can't like don't know, don't understand how a wheelchair moves, for example, to name one of the big problems. Uh, that's one of the only issues I've had with able-bodied coaches in the past. The ones who are like unaware of what they don't know. So like leaning on your experienced players is a good thing. So, yeah. Um, Next thing we're going to ask you is obviously you've moved over from, you know, what has always been home in Plymouth over to Vigo. What would you say has been the biggest adjustment for you? Obviously, um, be it standard of play, you know, lifestyle, presumably living by yourself for the first time. You might want to correct me on that one. Um, And then getting used to like professional league schedule. Basically, what struck you as the biggest difference and thing that you needed to wrap your head around to to make the most of this um it's a good question there's a there's a lot of uh adjusting the first training session I, um i i didn't even know the the type of layup drill we were doing so <laughs> i was kind of uh thrown straight in at the deep end i'd had four hours sleep because it was an early flight and then the training the same the same evening so that was fun but um, you guys train late, it, don't you? Get, yeah, very late. <laughs> um, and yeah, like the the style of play that we have at Vigo is quite. Um, it's it was a completely new concept for me to wrap my head around. So you know, chatting with Tessa and Augustine, trying to just understand. Like as you can probably tell, we play a lot of mismatch situations yeah I've um noticed <laughs> yeah I think you should that's like uh you know like it, it's interesting because a lot of um a lot of basketball teams i feel play more or less the same way with a screener both sides with shooters like you know it it was really refreshing to go in and felt like i had to learn something completely new um and yeah so that was a little bit of adjusting and yeah, I live with uh, a couple of teammates. I live with Jason and Nagua. Right. Um, but, you know, for the most part, doing my own thing. And, yeah, it's, it's it was a big adjustment because I lived, lived at home all my life. So it was like, oh, God, I've got to cook. I've got to cook food now. That, that's, one of, <laughs> that's one of, like, my formative memories of when I went away for the year was, like, night one being in my place and being like subconsciously being like i wonder what's for dinner and then about 10 minutes later being like ah it is up to me not only to decide what's up what's for dinner but to make that to be available to myself um it's yeah, a thing it of tough. like hey no one will not let me die anymore <laughs> like if i didn't eat i would just die like they might come and knock on the door and find me in six days but like look after myself yeah definitely um on a similar note, anybody you've come across, be it within your own team or in the first go round of games, that has really caught you by surprise, and you've been like, "Oh damn, this guy or this girl." I mean, it, it's not really a, a surprise person, but it, it was Filipski uh, scoring there you on go. thirty-seven. <laughs> that was my predicted uh, answer as well. Take that a off the casual thirty-seven as well, though, like. It, it was just like second half, like we we could have defended him better at points, but there was times where I was full up, like my arms in his, like I'm about two centimeters away from the ball, and he's still hitting it. 
it's doesn't just care, like, does he? Oh, my, oh my god, yeah, just chill out, please. Yeah. There's yeah, a level of definitely... undeniability there, isn't there? Where like some there's like 30 players maybe in the world, maybe 20, that it's like doesn't really matter if you defend them as well as you can. Sometimes they're just gonna overcome yeah. that. Um but if nothing else, even if Filipski was getting buckets on you, you can point back to the stats and be like, hey, we lost by a respectable amount in the game against Hamiab that I played in. I don't know what happened <laughs> after when I wasn't available. What kind of the respectable <laughs> amount to lose to Almiab to at this point? It's like 25, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. I had a quick scan of your guys' results, but I think you lost to them by like 15 in the opening game of the season, something like that. Uh, that was, they didn't have Lee or Alejandro, though, which... Take it, take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely take it, but it, it definitely it benefited us in terms of, you know, going for the mismatches and crashing the key. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you say it benefited you. Also, Filipski shot the same percentage from outside that those guys <laughs> inside. So swings and roundabouts when you get to a certain level of talent, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking about players um, that have surprised you with this, that, and the other, we got a question from Jack Gibbs, and it's how do you rate Nagwa Brown? Very good player. <laughs> Put it simply, uh, really, really intelligent and can shoot shoot the ball which you can ask for more from a low pointer um and yeah she, she can play so many different roles within uh within our team and it just helps for you know she can create space with an outside shot she can curl knows when to switch so yeah awesome player yeah maybe i don't know how much you watched of the last handful of years but i feel like there's like an uptick in usage of her this year from your team maybe sort of necessitated by like losing a guy but uh, yeah she's been she's been big for you guys this year yeah um, she, she's kind of you talk about what you know in general terms female lows are expected to bring to whatever team they're in and i think she's one person who's really been able to play in that role and improve individually in it like it's obviously been a good handful of years she's been in vigo at this point but i feel like when pre- players are given such a prescriptive role you don't see development in their individual game a huge amount. And whatever the recipe is that has been able to work for her, then I think that's, you know, certainly an example to be followed by anybody else who would be wanting to bust out of the stereotypes, I guess. Yeah. For sure. Do you, did you find having someone to speak English to in Lewis um, helped you when you first got there? So, yeah, that was kind of part of my decision-making process because obviously Gus speaks really good English. Uh, our coach does um, not super good English, but it's, it's good enough. Um, and, yeah, just just having multiple English speakers to start with because, yeah, I'd, when I first got here, I knew zero Spanish. So it was it was very helpful for sure. And how's your Spanish coming along now? Um, <laughs> I, I get lessons. Uh, Good. I try. Yeah, that I, is, I, I try. That is a damn sight more than most people do. <laughs> uh, English is widely spoken. I'll probably be fine. So yeah, I well done for it. well done for making it happen. Also, how far, how much of going from Plymouth to Vigo was looking through your offers and going like, all right, okay, all right, coastal town, right, okay. <laughs> Vigo, that'll do. Like no, is miles only, from the sea. There's not even only a river. coastal town, but being like, all oh, right, I can roll out of my house, jump on the boat on the south coast, and I can be there, like wherever it rocks up to. Basically, a straight boat connection. I don't know if that's true. I don't know my Spanish, um, northern geography particularly well. Ah, uh, you're close. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about what your guys' season has looked like so far. So as of right now, you are eighth place in the league. Um, your win-loss is five and seven. Uh, I think your games generally fall into three categories, which is you play the teams kind of in the lower third of the league. You've handled your business against them fairly convincingly. That's like the Joventuts and the Hitafes and Burgos of the world. Um, oh, sorry, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say we handled Burgos very, very convincingly. No, you, you beat them handled a bit. 
oh, overtime <laughs> win was that one? I can't remember. It's double double overtime. No, that that's convincing, man. If you win a game with ten extra minutes thrown in, you've outlasted. It. <laughs> yeah, right. not only are you better than better than them over forty, you're better than them over fifty. Well, no, you're not better over forty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, kind of the mid tier. So Malaga, uh, Gran Canaria, and then like if you want to throw Mercy or whoever else in there, you've kind of run close enough times um in the first leg that you know you've proved yourselves as to be taken seriously at that level and then to put it um diplomatically you've been stomped on by the top you know kind of three teams in the league um including i think when james literally rolled off the plane to come and play you guys at um when bilbao visited you and what was that like 98 long game 70-something? In 96-71 or something. I don't know how much you know about my journey to that game, but I basically, the day before it, got up to get three flights to Belfast, the morning after three flights back, and like arrived at your court at five to play at six. That was Jesus. horrendous. A coach like asked something of me, and I was like, I don't know where I am. Like, I'll, I'll do my best, but like, if I get lost, it's because I'm lost. <laughs> so... Given those, uh, and I charitably um, didn't mention there the fact that you got beaten by 50 by Illunion and then 75 by Amiab, so we'll scoot right over them. But um, given the the kind of breakdown of your results that we've just mentioned there, do you think, do you feel like you guys have shown yourselves to be, is it an accurate depiction of who you are currently to be eighth place with this win-loss split or... Do you look at a couple of those games and be like, man, we could be in sixth place if we'd have, you know, handled ourselves here and there, for example? I think, firstly, we've obviously been quite unlucky with uh, Lewis hasn't been present in the team and I've been injured the past few. I, obviously, I don't think it, it would have mattered so much for your Albacetes and obviously Alunian. But, um, yeah, it... There was definitely, I think, the the key game that comes to mind is is Morcia because we were up but at nine at halftime and then it was just a, a third quarter uh, annihilation. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely uh, a tough game to swallow because we, we were there the whole game, so or the whole first half. Yeah. yeah. And from you arriving in Spain as a relative unknown um to now do you do you like really notice that you get treated differently in terms of how teams defend you and how they game plan you and you do, do you think that's to credit for your sort of relative success in the beginning and whatever has changed now um i think yeah there, there's always going to be be an element of like oh we don't know who this guy is so we don't really need to talk about him type attitude but um yeah, I think for Bilbao it was the sort of first example of a, a pretty bad game that I had uh, on the shooting front side of things, and it definitely felt, uh, yeah, there was a lot more pressure added, um, just defensively and stuff. I felt like I was just like getting thrown around like a dog toy. Yeah, we spent <laughs> we spent a lot of time. I sp I spent a lot of time beside you that game. So did everyone at some point, but yeah. you know, we all had a go. But yeah, as uh, at some point when that was happening and you were getting like the the kitchen sink treatment from Bilbao, was there like a little light in your head that was like, "This is what Agustin deals with every game." <laughs> I mean, yeah, a, a little bit. I think the the annoying thing about the Bilbao game is I did have like good good looks as well i was just like off on all all cylinders so it yeah and we still put up 70 points which is respectable but you know 90 points not so not so respectable it's not gonna but, get it done yeah we can't that was in our little two months i said little that was in our two month stretch of just like not being able to stop anyone which we might still be in i'm not sure we we kept malaga to 61 last week i'm hoping that's a sign of things to come but yeah that was in our stretch where we were like oh i guess we just have to outscore teams and we got there without pat obviously but also no Asier. so we were in we were in difficulties um but yeah figured it out um yeah so yeah i guess maybe last sub question on this but 
you've obviously played the first half of the season now. We're easing ourselves into the second half. Is there a is there a game you've got circled on your calendar for any reason? Like you mentioned the Mercia loss there where you feel like you should have had them or, you know, do you have a game that you've got a spotlight on? you like, we're going to get this one and, you know, that will represent, be it significant progress or that will, you know, mean something to us outside of just a win on the board? Well, I think these these next two games that we've got, are important mainly because they're probably the most winnable out of the rest of our schedule, especially with, with the the team we have to, we go out with now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these next two games are pretty important. But for me personally, it's just about making sure I'm healthy. And at that point, every game's every game circled. Like I'm just excited to play. <laughs> so. If we cast forward a little bit, um, if we were to take this Vigo team we've got now and you were to see yourself setting up shop in Vigo for the the long term or the medium term, what do you look at with this group of guys you've got? Obviously, I think Vigo is kind of a weird split because there's a couple of guys there who are, you know, lifers in Agostina and Julio Villas, and then they kind of shuffle the the parts which is generally because young guys come through you know have a good couple of seasons and then somebody makes an offer that Vigo maybe can't match financially so it's tough to keep guys around but if you're able to keep this team what do you look at as you know if you were to evaluate yourselves and be like we need this piece to take us up a notch significantly do you have some idea in mind I mean you're a former coach of two teams at the same time right so you must um, <laughs> must be very up on the roster building. Um, hmm. I mean, I think the the way Vigo has been for years is about getting young young guys in to develop. So it it would more just be about um, yeah, that it it would have to be a young some young players with uh, right head on their shoulders. And willing to to learn the the system in Vigo, um, but there's nobody currently that comes to mind straight away that we could. Well, you, yeah, you know how this podcast works. All we have to do is ask people. All we have to do is ask people to do our bidding, and they come running. So if you want to put out <laughs> near us, it's virtually guaranteed to happen. All sixty people. <laughs> um. Yeah, so what are you what are you calling for the rest of the season? What are your goals and what do you think will actually happen in terms of uh the league and Copa del Rey? So as as you've probably seen, we've we've been given Albacete again for Copa del Rey. Okay. So it's, this, it, this is your chance to swoop in as the hero, you know, because you missed <laughs> game, you get to come back for this one and complete a seventy-six point turnaround single handedly. <laughs> Oh, it's just not going to happen, though, is it? Nah. Um, <laughs> be really funny um, if you had 76 in a game and lost, but that's just me. I think it, it's just about, but for us, it's just about competing in every single game. And I think the the Albacete game, y- yes, we, we were probably going to lose, but we I think as a, we could have done a lot better still. In terms of, so I think it's just like going through the with the right mindset with each game, not exactly saying like, "Oh yeah, we're going to win, we're going to lose." It's just go out there and put one hundred and ten percent in in everything because obviously we've got uh, Kings Cup and Euro Cup coming up as well. Sure. I think I think Euro Cup's uh, an exciting thing. I think we, you know we could potentially top the group on that, which mm-hmm. would be quite. Uh, a good goal to to achieve, but yeah, it's more just wait and see, see what happens. Really, I'm going to pop quiz you right now as a way of covering the fact I haven't done my own research on this front. Um, which Eurocup <laughs> group are you in, and who have you got? Ah, oh, um, I, I'm going to need to remember now. Um, <laughs> yeah, suddenly, suddenly the uh, fact that I haven't figured it out doesn't seem so bad. We've there's a a French team in there. I think it's uh, 
they're usually when the French league all the time is it ca- ca- la- 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 la. Uh, that was a, that was an atrociously <laughs> offensive suggestion as to what a French team might be called. So you guys are going to Euro Cup three, um, yeah, in um, Calabria, and then nice. Euro- by the way, you nailed it. Uh, Wiesbaden <laughs> were meant to be in your group, but they've been wild carded up. You've got. Vakiflav from Turkey and Elan Shalon from France, as well as you guys and the hosts. So, yeah, with Wiesbaden out of there, I would say you have an incredibly winnable group. Um, so yeah, you're you're welcome. I'm um, the Euro Cup professor over here. Um, before we get out of here, we got a couple of listener questions from you, James. Do you want to fire away? Uh, well, I ask my stupid questions pre or post the listener questions. We'll finish on the stupid questions because it makes them easier to cut out. All right. <laughs> uh, Abs Tagrest, shout out to Abs, uh, said, should be a simple question. Titans Juniors or Vigo? <laughs> I mean, t- Titans Juniors, we never got to, to put out our, our full potential because COVID stopped it. But um, it, it, it would have to be Vigo, unfortunately. I'm sorry, Abs. Well, do he said, think, he follow up question. Sorry, follow up question. Do you think Yeson and Betancourt could dunk on an eight foot basket? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> he also he says it should be a simple question, but he hasn't specified as to whether he's asking you which one you prefer or which one you would take in a win over the other one. So I would argue <laughs> it's not a simple question. Um, yeah, a simple wrong. question, not simply phrased. <laughs> Um, and another one from Basti Kolb, former Vigo, and if I remember correctly, um, who wants to know what the coolest bar in Vigo is? Uh, it's uh, he showed it to me actually because he he uh, came out here and visited when he had um, when he didn't have a game. It was I, I can't I'm probably gonna botch the pronunciation, but it's called like Acro Acro. Okay. Can I just say, living in Gran Canaria, having a free weekend and showing up to Vigo, uh, says a lot of good things about his experience in Vigo. 100%. Yeah. Cool. All right. So a couple of silly questions from my end to finish off. Um, Some of them are not that stupid. Uh, What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I love phrasing these. Is like, yeah, just a couple of light, stupid ones to finish off. Go do <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty heavy. Um, also, be, being yeah. asked about advice and immediately invoking Jesus is like, eh, I suppose that guy is known for his advice. So <laughs> There's about a billion people that would go to him if they needed a good <laughs> statistically. So, one point one billion, I think. But, <laughs> um, I think. Nah, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. I think the the it's not so much advice. I guess it kind of is really. But when I was talking to um people about going uh, going abroad and stuff, um, it, it would actually come from my mum. She said, "You've got a you've got to go for it." It was more of like a like a motivational talk than it was advice, and it's kind of again one of the key reasons why i decided to go is your nice. is your mum going to listen to this episode do you think yeah probably and if she has will she have made it an hour and five minutes in <laughs> no yeah probably okay well no, probably in, ca- in case she doesn't do you want to pick an answer that's not your mum and we can we can leave both <laughs> no it's fine you can tell <laughs> her this far that'll be good for us yeah, um, no, i think you're also... one of the first people ever to pick your your one of your parents actually so that's actually cool to see no, someone else picked your mum. I know. <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. Um, what I would say is that's the ad- that's of course the advice to someone who shoots twenty times a game in their first season of the league. Um, but yeah, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, Canada, come to Leganes. Hey, we're gonna have a really team next year. <laughs> I think maybe. Don't go a max height, maybe. Might have been the worst bit of advice I'd gotten from a from a basketball point oh, of view. Interesting. Okay. We will keep that anonymous, obviously, as to save people's skin. 
And I think my last question for you is what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a basketball court? <laughs> um oh there's too many to count. <laughs> um I mean we've got some some real real characters um real characters in Plymouth so there there's been quite a few moments where I I don't think I I would see it anywhere else and I I couldn't really name I couldn't name anything in particular so you might just want to cut that out no it's fine <laughs> I I do love that everyone who's ever like come up playing wheelchair basketball is like no there is an old guy who played for my club that you wouldn't believe either the stories I have about him or how good he is. <laughs> like yeah. there's like a load of those in every club. Um, yeah. I love it. Like that's one of the absolute privileges of playing abroad. You get to talk to people from all over the place and you get to be like, who's the old guy in the club that you started at that was unbelievable. And you get to hear the stupid stories, but fair enough. Uh, these are questions that I just hope that people have something on like ready to go, but I don't really expect them to. So that's fine. It's my fault for wanting it to be a surprise. I guess I get to, I, I get to gamble. Right. I think that's us then. Um, Oscar, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We're glad we've been able to get you on. I appreciate you've um, been waiting in the wings a little while. So, thank you for bearing with us. And yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, man, and getting your injury back on track. And if you can try and beat Burgos in less than ten additional minutes, we'll measure that as progress for Vigo for the rest of the season. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. It's been good. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. You got to get tomorrow over time to keep that average above 40 because that's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. All right. And thank you very much, everyone else, for listening. We will be back next week at some point to talk about either this league's games or Euro Cups because I leave on Wednesday when we normally record this. So God knows. This is the first Mark's heard about it as well. So yeah. we'll figure that out off air and we'll get back to you. Talk to you when we talk to you. Bye-bye. Peace.